Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Montana. Today, our favorite players from the AFC East all time. Does moving the Olympics back a year affect any athletes in the state of Montana? Quick hint, yes. And also, Bruce Barnum. It is to tell new one is one two nine ESPN radio outstanding to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you are, whatever you're up to. We appreciate you being with us on your radios, on your televisions and on your internets. Specifically, if you are on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com is where you go. You listen live all the time to the stream. The stream is available. Thanks to Opportunity Bank. Your local bank, your opportunity. If you'd like to pick up your phone and call 329-1899, the phone number, all guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. Now, let's talk about what we have in the show today. Uh, Tommy wanted us to, uh, well, me specifically, to finish my key story, so I will get to that in due course. But we also are continuing, again, if you weren't with us yesterday, we have started a series, Coulter and I, going through our favorite player, our favorite historical player, could be a current player, but player by franchise in the NFL. We did the NFC East yesterday. We will do the AFC East today. I must say, there's, now there's always going to be players that you love. This was, there. there there's a dearth of them on a couple of these franchises for me. Well, it's because there's been no real likable players in Miami or New York on the AFC side of New York, at least for... 30 years plus. Or, I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've found it difficult to pick a favorite Patriot of all time. I actually found that harder because they're... I, by and large, do not like the Patriots. I, by and large, think the Patriots... Uh, but they're one of my sports hate that I that I love, mm. right? Well, and When it, the it, Patriots exist, you know who you're going for, not the Patriots. The, the thing is, too, is that the... Bill Belichick era, which has spanned low these two decades in New England, has also created a circumstance in which the players are, it's, they're certainly not milk toast. Like nobody's going to sit here and say that Gronk isn't one of the most, the, the biggest personalities that you're ever going to find. Right. But there is a certain fall in line reality to what they do and have done. Well, it's also because Gronk can fall in line so easily because he doesn't want to talk about anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
he has nothing to talk about besides right. football. He can just be entertaining. Let me do my off-season boat cruise, right. and we'll be fine. Uh, so we'll we'll get into that with you. We also are going to get into uh, Colton. You had a, a very interesting consideration, I thought, with the the announcement uh, about what two weeks ago now that the 2020 Summer Games, the Olympic Summer Games, would be moved back a year uh, in Tokyo. Which, by the way, I'm very glad that they did that as opposed to either canceling it or moving it somewhere else so like that. I, they sh- the city that got it should be able to have it and i don't there's a there's a strain that people don't really realize though too because you have all this olympic infrastructure in place that then when the olympics is over there's likely a plan for that to be used otherwise mm-hmm. but you have to delay that so now you have a structure that's not being used will not be used well, it has you, to do, exist i think do, I mean, do you have to delay it I mean, why? I mean, it seems. To, first of all, nobody's probably using any of these major buildings now that are going to house multiple thousands of people at this point in True. time. But I mean, it seems to me that you could still do all the things that you had intended for. There's no reason that you know, in December, a U2 concert couldn't take place in Nagasaki, and still True. then house whatever Olympic event, opening ceremony, whatever you might have, uh, you know, there. So. I guess specifically it is. Usually these when it's in a country, it's all kind of all over the country, isn't it? I guess cities are – Tokyo is the hub of it, but I got to believe it's going to be around a little bit. But anyway, the the point, though, that you came up with, which, which I thought was a good one, is there's there are some athletes in the state of Montana who this directly impacts uh, or potentially directly impacts. And so we will uh, get into that a little bit. Top of the hour, one of our absolute favorites, Bruce Barnum. Bruce Barnum, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings. He's going into his sixth – season as the head coach of the Vikings and uh, certainly a major undertaking to be the head coach of Portland State. There's the only uh, they're the only football team in the Big Sky Conference that does not have a home field, basically. Uh, they, they've been playing almost all of their games uh, now in uh, Hillsborough, High, Hillsborough High School, which is a, a nice big stadium if you are a high schooler. Exactly. And it is uh, it's not, you know, a home field or a home field advantage and one of the many sort of uh, bits of it. And yet uh, Coach Barnum has has sort of undertaken the task of keeping football alive and really being successful in many ways at Portland State, but always uh, an absolute must on the listen to side of things. So we will get to him at the top of the hour. And then also uh, the uh, we, the all decade team, in the NFL came out yesterday or maybe yeah yesterday or Sunday came out. We spent a fair amount of time yesterday talking about the offensive selections to the All-Decade team. We'll get into some of the defensive side of it today. So there you go. That is our show outlook today. Uh, Coulter, now Tommy is working, which he often does. So let's do uh, the football stuff here, and then we'll get into my key situation because he needs to be involved in the key situation, not, you know, doing engineering things. So we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. But Coulter, let's talk about the AFC East and our favorite players all time from the AFC East. Do you want, is this the order you want to go in? Yeah, let's go this order. Okay. So we will start with the Miami Dolphins. Now the Dolphins are um, another team that I just, they just do not, they don't do it for me. Yeah, you have this mental block where you overrate and underrate things, particularly the, uh, previous history and tradition of certain NFL franchises, and I think that you think the Dolphins suck way worse than they actually do. That said, they have not been good, and they've been bad because of incompetence the last couple of years, so I agree with your broad premise that this was a difficult one, but you now, also, I think you forget, though, that the Dolphins the Dolphins have hardly ever been the Browns. The Dolphins have more just been the most consistent 8-8 eight and eight team in the league over the last 20 years. Which is worse. I mean, I am it is, but so they also have way it. more no. memorable players. Like, who is actually a memorable? I mean, Braylon Edwards is among the most memorable Browns of the last fifteen years. And Joe Braylon Thomas Edwards sucks. Joe, Joe Thomas. Thomas is the ultimate outlier, right? Okay. What about Johnny Manziel? I mean, love Johnny Football. Point being is, we'll get to the Browns when we get to the Browns. When we look at the Miami Dolphins, yeah. the Dolphins haven't been good. Since Don Shula and Dan Marino. Now, of course, they'd had. Uh, uh, have they even? I guess they've had one trip or something to the postseason in that time. Well, I do love the fact they won, they're the only team to win the division in in the 21st century besides the Patriots. Okay. Well, I mean, that still makes them better than the other two franchises in the NFC or the AFC East. That's fine. I just, I just can't stand it. And by the way, it's not about them being good or bad. There's a lot of bad teams that I love. I just don't. You know, the the fans don't show up for them. South Beach, just you know, it just. 
is doesn't do it for me. The hot orange and aqua green is just horrendous. Like I understand the deal, the, the, the you know the the flashy colors of South Beach and of the you know uh, you know the, the the cultural influences that work there, and that's fine. It just doesn't do it. For, it just it's just bad. It's just bad all the way around. So to vindicate those points, the Dolphins have advanced to the AFC playoffs. Five times in the 21st century, they have nine winning records over the last 20 years. I think that's a lot more than people would have th- thought. Uh, included in that also then is three other eight and eight records. So they've been at 500 or above 13 out of the last 19 seasons. Um, but they also have a one and 15 in there in 2007. And they also have, and actually I'm, I'm shocked that they won five games last year because they were like fast tracking towards being defeated. Ryan Fitzpatrick, buddy. He's all, he got, he got four wins on his shoulders every single year. He's only got four losses on his shoulders every year. So the uh, the Dolphins most recently made the playoffs in Adam Gase's first season in 2016. Okay. Who's your favorite Dolphin of all time? Let's hear it. Uh, my favorite Dolphin of all time is Zach Thomas. Okay. It's a good one. And I think Zach Thomas, my brother and I have been having this discussion recently. Um, Hall of Fame standards, particularly in football, are so high. For example, there's only eight tight ends in the NFL Hall of Fame. Eight in the history of the NFL, eight tight ends. It's obviously a little bit more of a uh, rare position, and there's also probably another eight guys that have played in the last 15 years that will be added to the mix. I mean, that eight guys does not yet include Tony Gonzalez or Rob Gronkowski sure, or sure. Jimmy Graham or you know on down the line. Travis Kelsey could be in that mix soon. We'll see. But we always try to – one of my favorite things when debating Hall of Fame is what's the litmus test to get in the Hall of Fame? Forever – Jack Morris and Mike Mussina were the litmus test for pitchers. If you had as good of a career, as prolific of a career as those two guys, or better, you're likely in. If you were worse, you were likely out. I think that Zach Thomas is the litmus test for Hall of Fame players because in his prime, he was an absolute tackling machine. I think if there was a guy that you'd worry about being the future study for CTE and head injuries, traumatic brain injuries, uh, unfortunately. And I, I don't even mean to snicker at that. I mean, it's it's going to be him. I mean, he, he basically, him and, him and uh, who there was the other, Dan something, inside linebacker for the Panthers, played at Penn State. Those two guys both were the only two guys I can remember during our youth that straight up went to the mic and said, I'm retiring because my, my brain is hurt. Mm. The only two guys that really acknowledged, so many guys try to dodge the head injury thing, right? Zach Thomas kind of took it. Dan Morgan from the Carolina Panthers is the other one that I'm thinking of. But, I mean, at his peak, Zach Thomas had more than 150 tackles in six of his first eight seasons, as many as 165 total tackles. He was a six-time first-team All-Pro. And so I guess when you have 1,734 career tackles and and 20-and-a-half sacks, if that's the litmus test, that shows you how good you have to be in an inside linebacker. And I also just don't know how much better you can be. If he doesn't make it into the Hall of Fame, <laughs> that will be pretty crazy. It'll be pretty striking. Zach Thomas is a great player, uh, no no doubt about it. Uh, we Obviously, Dan Marino is the best player in the f- history of the franchise. My favorite player in the, in the history of the Dolphins is is a guy that I definitely do like, but he's not – I don't know. He's – he wouldn't be on my list of just favorite guys ever, but he was he was awesome, and that's Jason Taylor. I mean, Jason mm. Taylor is finished with like 171 uh, uh, total sacks in his career. One of the top four all time, right? Yeah, I mean, he he's, he's oh, excuse me, 132, 132. Yeah, he's um, still top ten though. Yeah, he's he he retired as the he was the excuse me when he was playing he was the active sacks leader in the NFL among at active the time, players, oh, yeah. among act, active players. But 222 uh, assists, 471 tackles, and, you know, was a Pro Bowler six different times. My only issue... Uh, and he, with, is a hall, he is a Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall. He's in the Hall. My only issue with Jason Taylor is he's just great looking, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, really? So this guy's going to step off of the field and go into, like, daytime soap operas, you know, <laughs> that type of thing? It's like, okay, there's, there's just... Some people get a lion's share at the buffet table. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, how about a little bit for the rest of us? So that's how I feel about J.D. Taylor. But he's certainly, like, he's he's a, a, an interesting guy. He's done a lot. And, it, a, you know, like you said, a Hall of Fame defensive end, outside linebacker defensive end, however you want to cash it out. But uh, I he, he was he was, he was was great. And he's a true Dolphin. Like, I mean, I know that he, he did, at the end of his career, I think he went somewhere else. I don't even recall where. But he's, he's a Dolphin, uh, much like Zach Thomas is, where, Again, 
Miami has been so transient. I mean, like Indomic and Sue, right? right? Ryan Fitzpatrick recently. Right. And those are types of guys. So until you go back to like Mark Duper, Mark Clayton, Dan Marino, and those guys, and obviously right. the '72 team going, you know, back before that, and that sure. those generations, where first of all, all the teams were basically once you were drafted by a team, that's where you were going to have your career. But recently, like in the in the you know in the last 20, 25 years, it's hard to come up with a bunch of guys who are just identifiable really good to great players as Miami Dolphins and 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 Jason Taylor is one of those Jason Taylor to finish your point uh he left he played for the Dolphins for 10 seasons and left to go to the Redskins came back to the Dolphins in 2009 left again to go to the New York Jets and then came back yeah. a third time to retire with the Dolphins after 2011 yeah okay I, I agree with your premise that Dan Marino is the greatest Dolphin of all time I think that he I think he's in the mix with two other guys, though, is the most memorable Dolphin of all time. I think Don Shula is one of them, and just, just because Don Shula was the guy. No he was doubt. the head coach for 40 years, and he went, led them to back-to-back Super Bowl titles. And then the other guy you got to mention, I think, especially for some of the people that uh, have maybe followed the Dolphins back to when they really were a premier franchise in the 1970s, that's Larry Zonka. Larry Zonka was the Super Bowl MVP in back-to-back Super Bowl years, and they got into commentating, most famously on American Gladiators, but he did a lot of other stuff for worldwide worldwide world of sports as yeah, well as some yeah. other uh, ABC uh, broadcasts. So he was in the public eye for a really long time after that too. So I think he's he's pretty darn memorable. But I do think, I mean, Jason Taylor, the fact that he's made his home in Miami too, I think that that, I mean, he's definitely one of the most beloved athletes in the city of Miami well, you know he's defined himself by Miami as well we talked about that in relation to a lot of the, the cities in the Rust Belt and how they have, you know, they, they, you walk on water, you are beloved in these towns if you are, you know, adopted by their city for one of their sports teams and you stay there and all that. It doesn't happen as much elsewhere, but this is one instance where in a place like Miami, it certainly has happened, and he's a guy that that, uh, that they rally for, for sure. New York Jets? My favorite New York Jet of all time. I hope you appreciate this. I, I can't wait. Nick Mangold is my favorite wow, Jet see, of all he's time. He's one of my two. I got Nick Mangold and Kevin Mawai. You do? I appreciate it, both of it those. It doesn't surprise me. Here's why it's Nick Mangold for me. First of all, the look is, in, you know, it's unimpeachable. I mean, the long right. hair with the giant beard on that frame as a center. And by the way, an all-pro type of center. I mean, he's an absolutely phenomenal football player. I mean, over the last 15 years... He is the dude. There's been I couldn't think of another guy when I was thinking about my choice of Nick Mangold as well. I couldn't think of another guy who established himself first of all as a household name as a center. That's pretty hard. There's Doesn't only happen. a couple in the yeah. league each year. Yeah. But number two had the confidence, the bravado to not only demand respect but to demand the reputation as their best player. I mean, he's considered their best player, and people in the league knew that. People that analyze the league know that. I can't think of another center that's out there. I mean, maybe. Marquise Pouncey because he's got such this tough guy persona, but he's been but, stuck in Miami, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But Mangle like let it be known that I am the, the star of this team as the center. That's, That's right. pretty interesting. And so there's a couple things about Nick Mangold in addition to football. Because to be my favorite player, it's not just about being a great football player. Right. There's other stuff. The video that surfaced of him at the New York Rangers hockey game with Ryan Fitzpatrick going absolutely outside his mind, screaming at the referees, banging on the glass, having perhaps a couple of beverages to go along with his outbursts, was as wonderful as it could possibly get, particularly for an offensive lineman. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, by the way, would probably be my favorite player in all eight teams that he's ever played for, but it's hard (laughs) to identify him with one team. But Fitzy, we know about him, right? He's he's a different cat, you Mm -hmm. know, Harvard guy, Gets up, comes to his press conference in costume from time to time. My favorite being the gold chain and the unbuttoned deal with the chest hair going like full 70s kind of mafia kind of look that he's got. For fun, because he's a personality too and he likes to enjoy himself. Downright embarrassed by Nick Mangold sitting next to him. I mean, he is towering, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, trying to not draw attention while Mangold is busy trying to get thrown out of the arena which ain't going to happen. I mean, who's going? what security guard is coming up to Nick right. Mangold and going, hey, sir, you need to settle down. It ain't going to happen. So that, I encourage you all, go read. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. I mean, it's really good. The other thing that I don't know if people know, his sister is an Olympian power lifter. Oh, wow. And so this is, I mean, we're talking about the uh, the stock of stocks from a strength standpoint in the Mangold family. So shout out to them. Nick Mangold is my favorite New York 
jet. I love it. I, I, I split mine between Nick Mangold and Kevin Mawai. Uh, Kevin Mawai, in my opinion, probably the best modern-day centers uh, that we've seen. I mean, he was a eight-time first-team All-Pro. He's first ball Hall of Famer. Outstanding career split between the Seahawks, Jets, and Titans. But the formative times were during the late 90s, early 2000s, and that was when the Jets were okay. They were pretty solid. But uh, interesting local hook here. Dylan Rollins, All-State offensive lineman at Missoula Sentinel, uh, son of Josh Rollins, who's a former Montana State Bobcat. Yeah. Josh was telling me that uh, Dylan, you know, he's been getting interest from all over the place, and one of the places that's been giving him some interest has been Arizona State. Well, Kevin Wise, the offensive line coach at Arizona State. Mm. Dylan Rollins is an offensive lineman. I said, wait, wait, hold on a second. So, so Josh, your son is getting interest from Arizona State. So, uh, Herm Edwards is the head coach. You've heard of 75% of the other coaches because they all played in the That's league. Right. That's so right. who's texting Dylan? Is it Kevin Mawai? He said, yeah, Kevin Mawai. Played in the NFL for a while. And I was like, yeah, he's the greatest center of the last 25 <laughs> years. Can I text him back from Dylan's phone? Like, let me talk to Kevin Mawai. <laughs> this kid is 17 years old. He has no idea who Kevin Mawai is. Give yeah. the old guys some... Some pleasure, but uh, no, interesting that Kevin Mawai is back in the college game. It'll be interesting to see if those guys, their pro-style program that they're trying to sell people works out. But either way, I thought he was a an awesome player, both for the Jets and the Titans in the second half of his career. I also have my best Jet, who, who the guy who I think is the best Jet of all time. Yeah, who you got? Curtis Martin is my interest. Is, is that's who that's I good. I mean, that's, that's that's definitely one of a, the. A finalists. lot of people would go with Joe Namath, obviously, because of what he did. But I, I think I, people that have been around New York City for a really long time would probably go with Don Maynard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely agree, though, that you know Broadway Joe is, is – I mean, when it comes to most memorable, he's the most memorable. Now, let right? me ask – oh, for sure, most memorable. Let me ask you this, the last two teams. The, the absolute face of the franchise in the history of the franchises yeah. is Dan Marino in Miami and it's Joe Namath in New York for the Jets. No question. Were those were either of those even in your discussion about favorite players? In, well, no. I mean, I never saw Joe Namath play. I have great reverence for what Joe Namath represented. I mean, he, I would argue he's the first and maybe the most prevalent, or not the most. He's the first and maybe the guy who blazed the trail most for your personality, how you act off the field, your image, your brand influences people's opinions as a player. Because Joe Namath <laughs> had about a three-year span where he was actually a really good NFL quarterback. Otherwise, Joe Namath's numbers are horrific. Yeah. He threw like 50 more picks than he did touchdowns. Yeah. But he won a Super Bowl after guaranteeing he was going to win a Super Bowl, and then he did a pantyhose commercial. Right. <laughs> Pretty good move, Broadway Joe. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just find it interesting where some of the, the great – in fact, you could argue that for all the teams in this division. Yeah, I mean, their best players, they're certainly their most prevalent players, which is not uncommon, are their quarterbacks. Yeah. But I don't know if people like I'm not love a, the guys. Well, I'm not a much. quarterback guy. Well, I don't really like any quarterbacks. <laughs> well, But mostly like quarterbacks have very corny personalities to me, but I think that that's the personality that it takes to be able to lead across spectrums. But I like edgy, crazy guys. There's very few edgy, crazy quarterbacks. That's why Brett Favre is my great favorite quarterback of all time, because yeah. Brett Favre is, at the same time, a phenomenal quarterback, a phenomenal leader, but he humanized himself so well while also being such a wild man. I mean, he, he's kind of the anomaly of it all, right? Yeah. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, I mean, I, the, the the answer is the obvious answer to me, and I think that, and I'm not, it doesn't bother me that it's the obvious answer because Bruce Smith is my favorite Buffalo Bill. Bruce Smith is my favorite Buffalo Bill. This is funny that we have the same favorite player on two of these teams already. I'm, I'm shocked that we have the same. I'm not shocked that you pick. I mean, anytime an offensive lineman turns out to be your off, your, your favorite player, it won't surprise me that, that you would select you know right. that position. But there's a lot of sort of Jets that were sort of in the same, you know, Level. I mean, Curtis Martin could have easily been my favorite player. Joe Namath could have been, but I mean, other guys I can serve for the Jets. Bart, uh, Bart Scott. I loved Bart, Bart Scott. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, I love Chris Wilkerson <laughs> when he was the D tackle for the the Jets. And yeah. He was the whole linchpin to that Rex Ryan defense. So <laughs> liked him. But uh, I agree with you on Bruce Smith, though. I mean, Bruce Smith has one of the most incredible career arcs of anybody because on one hand, everybody knows how great Bruce Smith was. But he also is stained by the exact same thing that Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, and Andre Reid are stained by. All-time great players that played for the Buffalo Bills that lost four Super Bowls in a row and having that be the defining factor, not just of their careers, but of their lives. You know, I th- here's what's interesting, though. I, I feel that way about 
some of the guys, Jim Kelly certainly. Right. I just don't feel that about Bruce Smith. Why is that, though? I was just going to say that because I have met Jim Kelly, Andre Reed, and Thurman Thomas. Why is that? Because they all made their secondary careers on giving motivational speeches about bouncing back from adversity. Yeah. Because they basically all spun the four losses in a row in the Super Bowl into being like, well, if I can get through this, I can help a lot of people get through a lot of different elements of scrutiny. But Bruce Smith hasn't done the pity tour. But the reason I say he has one of the most incredible career arcs is Bruce Smith is the NFL's all-time leader in sacks. That's right. Bruce Smith also happened to play during the exact same time as Lawrence Taylor at the front end of his career. Reggie White, Reggie White for the meat of his entire career, and Derek Thomas towards the end of his career. So no one has ever re- mentioned Bruce Smith being the greatest pass rusher of his generation because he wasn't. He was always in the top three. But he's still one of the three or four best ever. He just happened to play at the exact same time as the only two or three guys that could be in the same conversation as him. In 15 years with the Bills, and this does not include what he went on to do then with Washington, 171 sacks. He had 10 sacks or more in 12 of the 15 years that he played for Buffalo. The other thing, too, this this is indelible. I, I was at a certain age where, you know, I was in love with football, eating it up, and this will never leave me. The I believe it was a Reebok commercial. Oh, yeah. It's one of the great commercials of all time. With Dennis Hopper, yep. the Bad Things Man commercial is is the it is my earliest memory of commercials. And in a society where commercials and commercialization are central to everything that happens in America, uh it is the it is a, the high watermark in my lifetime of both effective and amazing advertising. And it is the single greatest commercial to this day to me uh, uh, that I've ever seen. And so, the, and Bruce Smith being in that doesn't say a word, just stands there and hopper in his skittish sort of always a little bit afraid, but curious sort of way. It's the greatest, this is the greatest commercial of all time. And so Bruce Smith then made an indelible mark on my psyche from that side of things, in addition to then being the greatest sacker in the history of the sport. Marketing matters, people. Okay. Two Tell Nuanas, one two nine ESPN Radio. We're going through the AFC East. Our fa- by the way, who's the, he's the best Bill too, right? I mean, he's got to be the best player in the history. I mean, I think it's it's uh, I think it's probably a three way tie between him, Jim Kelly, and Thurman Thomas. I mean, yeah. Thurman Thomas still remains Thurman. Uh, top ten in league history in rushing. Thurman Thomas was also one of, if not the first running backs who could play all three mm-hmm. downs, and not only who could play all three downs, but that you'd throw the ball to on third down. You don't put Andre Reid in there. Andre, I mean, I think Thurman Thomas is one of the greatest running backs of all time. So mm-hmm. I don't think I think Andre Reid is very good, but he's not one of the greatest receivers of all time. Even if he's one of the greatest Bills of all I mean, time, he's in the hall. He is. Andre yeah. Reid's good, but he's he's not as good as Jim. I, Kelly I tend or, to agree with you. Thomas. I just you know just curious. Okay, last team in the uh, AFC East, picking our favorite players, the great and mighty New England Patriots. Um, this was hard for me. On one hand, there's a lot of very, very successful, recognizable players. On the other hand, there's not a ton of guys who I just was like, I love this guy. And I realize that the Patriots are very polar. They're not even polarizing. A lot of people hate the Patriots, except for people who are just fans, uh, you know, or from Boston or whatever it might be. I'm certainly not going to pick Tom Brady as my favorite Patriot of all time. So my favorite Patriot of all time, I went down the list here a little bit. It's Willie McGinnis. Willie McGinnis is, uh, first of all, even to, you know, it's a, a lot of times guys when they finish playing, they either get bigger or they get smaller. Willie McGinnis has just sort of continued to be what he is, and that is a house that is bigger than everybody. I mean, when he's doing his interviews for the NFL Network and talking to, you know, these players at mini camps and stuff like that, he's dwarfing everybody. He's 6'5", 270 as an outside linebacker. And he was also... Uh, at the time, second in the all, in the team's all time sacks, but but was it like he wasn't even a, a sack specialist? He's just an unbelievably great defensive player who is just so substantial and sort of cast such a large shadow, li- literally and figuratively. That I'm like, I, I've loved Willie McGinnis for years, and the fact that he's still doing, you know, still 
involved in the game and that you see him regularly sort of reminds you of him more often than not. But there's certainly plenty of players. I, I Randy Moss would have been the selection for me, but I don't. He's he's a Viking to me. He's not a Patriot, so he's not there. And obviously Tom Brady and plenty of other receivers, plenty of other defensive players. I mean Rodney Harrison uh, and 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 so on. So there's a ton of players that people know. Adam Vinatieri was on the list for me in consideration here for my favorite Patriot of all time, but um, I'm I'm going to go with Big Willie. I considered Willie McGinnis. Other Patriots that I could even stomach the thought of maybe liking included Rodney Harrison, uh, but he's more of a Charger than a Patriot to me. Ty Law, uh, but couldn't quite get there. Yeah. Richard Seymour, I always thought was a really good player, uh, but my pick is Vince Wilfork, and I'm going to repitch. I'm going to repitch yeah, my reality TV show. I want a reality TV show on guys like Vince Wolfork and other players like that. Guys that are 350 pounds or more that are also professional athletes who work out for a living. I want to know what Vince Wolfork's day is like. How can you possibly have now, a gut like that if you work out the, for a living? The closest thing you're going to get to that, at least so far, was the Hard Knocks Houston Texans edition when he had just been traded. He went there for a year yeah, they or have two. The, the, they have the one little blip where he's barbecuing and he's barbecuing the whole store. And <laughs> He's in his, his overalls. The my overalls. That's it. My, just overalls. Just overalls. And my my big memory from that is when he is in spring training or whatever it is, or you know, August so uh, fall camp, running around, and he steps forward, and he's sweating so much that there is liquid coming out of his shoe, like he has stepped in a in a pond and is walking. But no, it's just. I mean, the, the amount of, of water that is leaving that man over the course of an hour and a half or two-hour football session is just beyond anything I've ever seen. And he's hilarious. I mean, he is such a funny, great character. So I might, you may sway me with Vince Wilfork. I do love Vince Wilfork. I mean, give me the Vince Wilfork reality show. I yeah. want to know I want the whole thing. I want to know yeah. how you can perform at such a high level when you're so heavy. But I also want to know how you can be so heavy by working out for a living. Like, just the, the lifestyle that it takes both impressive and probably in some ways loathsome and is, perhaps is amazing genetic i mean well, so much of it right? is certainly genetic i mean yeah i mean that guy is he's as wide and broad and stout as there is for a human i mean yeah. he's one of the most stout humans on the planet it's two tell new one is espn radio okay we got through the afc east today the nfc east yesterday we will take on another division uh tomorrow and 30 minutes from now again bruce barnum the head coach of the portland state Vikings football team going to join us. Carl Tyler Chevrolet, the exclusive home of Carl Tyler's lifetime powertrain warranty, locally owned and operated since 1986. I lost my keys, then I found them. Where were they next? At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. To Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television. Great to be with all of you across the state today. The warmest day, I mean, I'm not saying it is officially the warmest day of the year, but I will say this. I used my air conditioner for the first time. Nice. It reminds me how much I love winter. I'm the only one I know. I don't know you're not. I'm I love it too. I love the suffering and pain that goes with it. Please. Please tell me that's a lie. Did I love winter? Oh, no, no. There's no lie about it. No. That don't the, you listen to ESPN Missoula? We got a promo running where I'm spouting off about how I don't care if you're cold. I'm glad you can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> you ran your air conditioner? I did. This is why we have mental institutions and prisons. Oh, you That's insane. <laughs> now, part of it is because I had to dress nice today. So, you know, of course, I wore a flannel. Uh, norm- I should have done what Coulter did here and gone with the button-up short sleeve. 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I could have had, had it both ways. At Gus Tutel on Twitter, uh, at 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT on the Twitter feed as well. So yesterday uh, it came to light that uh, I had lost my keys somewhere along the line. And today uh, Tommy told me that I have to explain to the people exactly what happened. Because here's the thing, Coulter, is if you are – in my household, and really in my family, and you know my brother well, he's the biggest offender of anybody that you and I know. Am I right about that? About what? Ab- biggest about, offender of what? About not keeping track of the things that are not attached to him. Right. I don't even think he acknowledges that he even has possession of them ever. Right. <laughs> he, he, he owns nothing. He right. just moves through life and, and does the thing. So in any case... Uh, I certainly take after him in that respect, or perhaps he takes after me, however you want to talk about it. Uh, I have not driven our van, our family van, had not driven it, in like several days. And what that means is that the keys were not needed for some period of time as we've been basically just staying at home, right? And then it came about that, hey, you know, we should go on a drive. And, uh, you know, we uh, ended up, this uh, past weekend going to Lake Como down in Hamilton, which was great. By the way, if you're thinking about going down there, if you're around down there, the day sites are closed. You should just know that ahead of time if you're planning to do like a big picnic or something. That's not a good idea, but the hiking you can do. Anyway, somewhere around about Wednesday, after having not driven the van for several days, it, con- it, it, it turned out that there were no keys to the van that we were able to find. Uh, notably, we do have a rack adjacent to the door, the front door, that has keys, uh, hooks, and this is where the keys go. And it's remarkable how many things in my home I have places where things are supposed to go, and there's nothing in those places. In any case, uh, this is also, you're like, well, where's the spare set? Well, this is like the spare set. This is this is set number three or so of the uh, of of the sets of keys that I can't find really any of them, and as not normally the driver of the van, of course I'm deflecting blame primarily to the children. I mean that's the nice thing about having kids, right? Coulter is that if if you got a problem, you can just tell the kids. Well, you know you're the ones who've done this, right? In any case. Uh, we couldn't find the keys anywhere. And during this time, and I'm 100% responsible, I also managed to lose the work car key. We drove the car to... Remember when we were going to have a Big Sky Conference tournament, Coulter? Remember that when that was going to happen? I don't like going back to the darkest of days. Anyway, we drove the work rig down to Boise, drove it back, got it back, lost the key the day it arrived back in Missoula. My sunglasses were in the car. Everything's in a state of disarray. (laughs) So... At some point, I, I told my wife, I said, Tina, this, we, it just, we, we, today's the day. We're going to do all the laundry. We're going to fold it. We're going to put it away. We're going to clean the rooms. We're going to clean the house, which is great to do. But really, that as a goal to, we have to find the keys. Found the work key in a rainbow backpack inside of a chest, a wicker chest <laughs> that serves also as a coffee table, which has like a tray set on the top of it in the middle of the living room. This is like the centermost Russian doll, you know, the Russian dolls, Tommy? Yeah. So it's been about two weeks. My boss has been uh, asking me initially and then with gradually increased <laughs> levels of concern and sort of uh, frustration about the key because we do need to be able to drive the work vehicle around. Uh, <laughs> Tina, my wife, found that thing. I don't know why she looked in there in the first place, but she did, and that was remarkable. Then, uh, still hadn't found our other keys for the van. Nowhere to be found. Days and days. I f- I don't know why I went out because we did the house and they're just there's there's they're nowhere to be. By the way, we did find two remote controls that we would like to have that we were able to now <laughs> use for the TV and various like uh, accessories. Um, found a spare key for the other car. Went outside in the lavender bush <laughs> adjacent to the park van in the driveway these keys have been outside probably a week they got the electronic click on it you know 
That still works, thankfully, because that's a security deal. Like, it'll shut your car down if you can't get that thing to unlock. I don't even know why I looked there, Tommy. But I said, it has to be out here. And sure enough, dangling there. And now, I don't know who to blame. What do you mean it has to be in the lavender bush? How do you come to this conclusion? No, I mean, I don't know how it comes to any of these conclusions. (laughs) Say again? I don't know. I don't know. You're... you're, um your ability to lose and ability to find, but then the things that spark your light bulb as to why that might be where you might find something is just, it's fascinating. Well, the, the reason is, is because it's in proximity to the vehicle. You know, it's like you do, a, all of a sudden you start doing perimeter searches is kind of the way that I did it. And, and also because at some point you become convinced like the ninth time you've looked in the refrigerator for the keys, like maybe they're in the meat drawer. Yeah, they're not yeah. there. You like you at least at some point you got to. And I'm the worst, right? When I, you open up, you know, the miscellaneous uh, drawer in your house, and you're looking for a pencil, and there's like old packets of Parmesan cheese, and there's a couple of forks, and there's some napkins, and there's a koozie, and there's all these other things, and you're like, I don't see a, a, a pencil in here anywhere. And then of course. <laughs> Somebody else comes along and goes, you mean this pencil or this pencil or this pencil? Doesn't What's that a, make you want to flip the house upside down when it, that happens? Insane with anger. Yeah, and yeah. by the way, other people angry at me. Like, <laughs> why can't you find the thing? It's right there. I know I just can't separate these things out when I'm looking. So it takes me a lot of return trips to various locations before I'm convinced of myself that what I'm looking for is, in fact, not there. So let's talk about this bush here for a second. Yeah. Was this like the Christmas ornament, like dangling on an out, you know, an, an, an out poking branch? So were they down by the roots? Were they underneath some sort of leaves that never got picked up after Halloween? The lavender uh, uh, bush makes the makes the actual plant seem bigger, I'm sure, in people's minds than it actually is because it's it's intended to be there. It's not merely growing, and so it's it's kept up. So it's been trimmed is what I'm saying. Okay. So it's been cut way back, but it has, you know, 40 stems growing up. You know, it doesn't okay. have one central uh, uh, trunk. Okay, right. It, and, and so, and these have been all sort of cut off, you know, at the foot high level or whatever. Okay. The keys are in the middle of this grouping of, of okay. things, but down. Oh. So they're kind of sunk in there, and it was actually the uh, the little additional uh, 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 hand sanitizer keychain thing you oh, know, that yeah. was hanging out that I actually saw. And in fact, when I went to pick it up, <laughs> I didn't know it was the keys. I thought it was just like, why is the hand sanitizer sitting here? And then when I went to reach for it, I was like, wait a minute. This is attached to something else. And I pulled it out like I just landed a marlin. You know, I was thrilled, <laughs> thrilled to death walking the conquering here. It's not often you get to walk into your house and the, your, you know, your wife and children all start cheering, you know, because you're supposed to be at home, but not, but being like not even having the ability to leave. We can't fit into the other car. No, yeah. It's not possible. You have to have the keys to the van or that, that's it. Now you're walking. This would have taken the fun out of the fact that this was a $1 purchase. Or, was, or is this the one dollar? Oh yeah, this is the oh, yeah. This is this, this van I paid one dollar for Canadian, by the way. So like eighty cents, really. If you would have had to spend money on a new key set, which would have been a minimum of twenty or more dollars, this would have been a poor investment. You would right. have been better off going back to Canada and just getting an entirely new automotive vehicle. A uh, a, a two thousand percent increase on the cost of the vehicle by to get a new key isn't isn't ideal. <laughs> Is it? No, you're right about that. That's a very financially uh, a prudent point. Thank well you. Thank you. But anyway, uh, we still have two outlying sets of the keys for the for the inexpensive van that we are missing and will need to locate. Uh, but now that we've got one, it's taken some of the pressure off, and I'm happy to say we did go on a drive this weekend. Did you? Um, do you guys have any pets? We have a rabbit. Okay, I would look in the rabbit hay or food for those other keys. Thank you. Um, having small children, small objects tend to find their way into completely inexplicable places. And the rabbit food may be one of those. Stu Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Coulter's got some questions for you, some interesting thoughts about the Olympics being moved and who that might affect in the state of Montana. We'll discuss that next. 
At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Tell New Orleans 1029 ESPN Radio. Will the Olympics being moved back affect anybody in the state of Montana or from the state of Montana? Well, potentially, yes, directly. By the way, I want to remind you about 10 minutes from now, Bruce Barham, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings, going to join us. Love talking to Barney. It's Tutel Nuan. Is happy to be along with all of you. Thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate that very much. It is time. Culture for our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the Farmers State Bank. Farmers State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. Locations all over western Montana. And FarmersEbank.com online e-banking. This is the time to do some e-banking for sure. Uh, they're going to help you out with Farmers State Bank. Culture, Catherine Burkoff is a Hellgate swimmer who's now at North Carolina State. That's right, the ACC. Got to be pretty good to do any Division One sports in the ACC, but particularly, it seems to me, summer sports. I mean, swimmers from Montana going to places where there's, like, lots of water and you can swim a lot. I mean, I guess I get it. It's all in a pool, so you can pretty much do it anywhere now. But pretty impressive. And she has had not just aspirations, but times that suggest she's on – a short list to compete to be on the Olympic team, and now the Olympics are being moved back. I'm not sure. Is this is this good, bad, or other for somebody like Catherine Burkoff that the Olympics are now going to take place in Tokyo in 2021? I actually think this is good for somebody specifically like Catherine Burkoff. She is uh, one of the great swimmers, female swimmers, period, in the entire country, but particularly yes. for someone so young. I mean, she has been ranked in the world rankings, she had one of the top 16 fastest times in the world as a high school student. She swam in a couple different meets before going to North Carolina State over the summer where she had world qualifying type marks. That said, to break onto Team USA, it's not just about your rankings in the world, but it's about your rankings within the country. And so many of the best people in her event are Americans. Right. So although she might have the 16th best time in the world, that still only ranks you know, sixth, seventh, eighth in America. Right. And I don't know how she would have closed that gap. So having it delayed might give her another year of training, especially if she can concentrate on the training while, you know, I mean, this is putting a lot of things into being in flux, but I think doing an individual sport at the college level, if you can find a way to do it on your own, you could take a huge jump, right? Because it seems to me, you don't have to obey coaches or even have any sort of... If you can just find a pool and swim by yourself, it seems like you can continue your training regimen sure. by and large. And maybe an extra year of training for someone so young like Catherine Burkoff could really uh, help her shave a few seconds off some of those times and maybe qualify in, in specific events. She's a great backstroker, so maybe that's you know a place where she can really concentrate, hone in. You know, it's interesting to me, and obviously there's plenty of outliers and counterexamples, but in general, say a sport like gymnastics, especially women's gymnastics, the, the peak ages for some of these girls are so young. I mean, teenagers, sometimes 13, 14 years old, but certainly, certainly. 18, 19, 20 is sort of the the heart of the the prime for being a gymnast take take a sport like powerlifting sure. it's 33 or something like right. that you know because it takes so much time to build up so much mass and all that what's the peak age for swimming or is there one that's uh, a very interesting question because i think that uh there are some sports that cater towards much younger especially on the women's side women mm -hmm. gymnastics like you mentioned um i think figure, figure skating, skating is another always, one yeah. like yeah. that um I mean, I mean, by and large, I think that, uh, I don't know, but, but there's other sports. I think that people think that, that that's the conventional wisdom, but there's some other sports, especially ones that have strength and endurance involved. 
mid twenties to early thirties is better for track and field athletes for for women. It's probably on both sides, honestly, because yeah. you're going to have that more that strength. The, you know, the Usain Bolts of the world that are as fast as they're ever going to be when they're twenty three. Mm-hmm. It's usually you need that Olympic style training for a big per- portion. It just of time. seems to me like what if if balance, like balance, is the specific key to what you do, like gymnastics, like figure skating, for whatever reason, whether it's just you, you know the size or or whatever it might be, or just the muscle sort of texture or well, I don't know I don't know what it is but it seems like that whereas like you said when it's this when it's the strength then it, you know it takes longer to build that stuff up no question I think that that's you know wh- when you're talking about you have the elite talent obviously if you're Catherine Burkoff she was a 16-time Montana State champion she shattered every record that mm-hmm. there is to hold I mean if you look at the swim records every event she competed in she has the record she won the state championship I mean she won everything she's one of most decorated high school athletes to ever come out of the city of Missoula or the state of Montana and I think that training at a higher level than you I mean she was obviously maxing herself out her dad was a silver medalist in the Olympics I mean he he's one of the great backstrokers in the history of the United States right David Burkhoff so she has a blueprint but there's a maximum you can get to in terms of your training facilities and everything that's at your disposal when you're in Missoula, Montana. So even just upgrading facilities, upgrading coaching, get another, you know, other theories, other techniques, all, all these things, I think that it can't help but help you as long as you don't reach any sort of point of burnout. So in, to me, in this specific case, this actually might be very good for her. And the part about the, the swimming, the trials were set to start when all of this kind of went down. So she doesn't miss anything. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's still, this will just be delayed. And so hopefully next right. spring she can just go make a run at it. And if she doesn't make the team, well, then she's still only 19 or 20 years old, and she'll have another chance come 2024. So a lot of times these Olympic, when you get the Olympics snatched away from you, if you're towards the end of your run, it's so heartbreaking because yeah. you might never get another shot. If you right. were 26 and the next time this rolls around you're going to be 30, it's probably over. Was Michael you. Phelps trying to do this thing again? Was he making another run at this thing? I, I think don't he, know. I, I got to be a crazy time when he isn't trying to make another run at because he's been such a gigantic part of our Olympic lives. Totally. And I, I mean, if this just one year for him now could be could be really something, right? For you know, kind of a tough deal. Stutel Nuanas, one or two nine ESPN Radio. This is our prep extra segment. It is brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Again, Farmer State Bank. Go ahead and check it out online at farmersebank.com. Trying to stay home, stay secluded, stay. What do they say? Quarantined. Mm-hmm. There you go. You can do your banking online at Farmers State Bank and go check that out as well. Carl Tyler Chevrolet, locally owned and operated since 1986. They have the home of the lifetime powertrain warranty as long as you own the vehicle. Carl Tyler Auto Group. Up next, Bruce Barnum, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings, one of our absolute all-time favorites to talk to. And uh, I'll tell you this, he does not disappoint once again. Stick around. Here, the uh, top of the hour head coach of Portland State right after this. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 